This is the Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Now, with today's Caribbean News headlines, here's Keisha Wallace. This podcast is brought to you by Let'sTalkIdeas.org, your budget-friendly custom design firm in Diamond Key Marina, British Virgin Islands. Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Flights to continue between Dominican Republic and St. Martin until August 31st. Washington, D.C. Mayor wants troops to assist with migrants flooding capital. Executives from Google, Microsoft, and other major forums visit U.S. Virgin Islands for first Digital Health Summit. Stiffer fines coming for environmental breaches in Jamaica. Grenada wants apology from Europeans continuing to benefit from slavery. An asteroid explodes over Puerto Rico. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Tuesday, August 2nd. We start a report today in St. Martin. St. Martin Island Times reports that on Monday, August 1st, the community of St. Martin was astonished by a letter that had been sent to the Dominican Republic by the St. Martin Civil Aviation Authority, informing that all flights between the two countries will be canceled as of August 6, 2022. Acting Minister of Tourism, Economic Affairs, Transportation and Telecommunications for St. Martin, Omar Otley, drafted a travel extension notice until August 31, 2022, which will give the corresponding authorities the necessary time to evaluate the alleged dispute between the aeronautical authorities of the two countries. Apparently, the decision was in reaction to the civil aviation of the Dominican Republic to block the services of the airline Windward Island Airways, Windair, between St. Martin and the Dominican Republic. The retaliatory decision created the risk that many passengers would be stranded in St. Martin and the Dominican Republic. The minister will meet with the Civil Aviation Authority members and representatives of the Foreign Affairs as soon as possible to follow up on his letter sent to the Dominican Republic. Sinkit Nevis Observer reports via riders that Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser has requested the deployment of military troops to assist with migrants arriving on buses sent by the Texas and Arizona state governments, according to letters sent by her office to the U.S. military and White House officials. Bowser, a Democrat, has appealed in recent weeks for federal funds to provide shelter and services to migrants migrants arriving on buses from the two Republican-led states, which sought to make a political statement by sending border crossers to Washington. Our ability to assist people in need at this escalated scale is very limited, Bowser said in a letter to the White House officials, adding that nonprofit organizations welcoming migrants in Washington are overwhelmed and underfunded. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, a Republican running for re-election in November midterm elections, blames U.S. President Joe Biden's immigration policies for record numbers of migrant arrests at the border with Mexico. The governor announced in April the state would bus migrants to Washington, saying Texas should not have to bear the burden of the Biden administration's failure to secure our border. Texas has sent over 150 buses carrying more than 6,000 migrants to Washington since April, according to Abbott's office. Arizona Governor Doug Ducey, another Republican, launched a similar effort 
effort in May and has bussed more than 1,000 migrants, his office has said. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports that the U.S. Virgin Islands Office of Health Information Technology under the Office of the Governor hosted its first Digital Health Summit July 26-27 at the Charles Turnbull Regional Library on St. Thomas. The event brought together over 20 leading international and national health IT businesses who sponsored the event and exhibited their solutions to summit attendees. Speakers flew in from across the United States from organizations like Google, Electronic Healthcare Network Accreditation Commission, Public Consulting Group, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, Howard University, Microsoft, MedTech, Zane Technologies, Cripps Shared Services, Prince George's County Health Department, and more. Representatives from a variety of local and federal government organizations, along with private sector leaders, converged on the library to discuss the progression of telemedicine, challenges, and needs related to inoperability and secure data exchange and the advent of the U.S. Virgin Islands Health Information Exchange in the territory. The objective of the inaugural summit was to equip providers and healthcare professionals with the information, access to resources, and subject matter experts to navigate the evolving health IT landscape and make informed decisions that will transform the way healthcare is delivered in the territory through secure technologies. The summit's keynote speaker was Dr. Ernest Carter, Chief Health Officer of Maryland's Prince George's County Health Department. Dr. Carter started the first telehealth module in the U.S. Virgin Islands in the 1990s and is the health officer for Prince George's County Health Department in Maryland with more than 38 years of experience in direct patient care, more than 25 years of experience in the field of telemedicine and health IT, as well as more than seven years in public health, the release stated. The Virgin Islands Consortium also reports that as the Caribbean continues to rebound from the COVID-19, the U.S. Virgin Islands Tourism Department states that the U.S. territory is running ahead of the pack. Figures from STR, a company that provides data solutions and insight for global hospitality industry, show that from June 2021 to May 2022, the U.S. Virgin Islands had the highest hotel occupancy in the region. Reports also indicate that the territory enjoyed the highest average daily rate in the region at $637 during that same time period. U.S. Virgin Islands tourism also led in revenue per available room at $461.61. For the first quarter of the year, visitor arrivals were up at 153% compared to the same period in 2021. U.S. Virgin Islands Tourism Commissioner Joseph Bichelti says the cruise industry has also rebounded. Over 450 cruise ship calls and 1.4 million cruise passengers are expected in fiscal year 2023, up from 250 port calls in 2022 fiscal year. Room capacity in the territory will also be expanded to accommodate additional stayover arrivals. The U.S. Virgin Islands Economic Development Authority is working with two major projects on St. Croix. 
One hotel, RC Hotel Virgin Islands, Inc., was approved for Economic Recovery Fee, or EFR, incentives and is already in operation. The other, CREF3, USBI Hotel Owner, Inc., formerly known as Diamond Rock Frenchman's Owner, Inc., was approved by the U.S. Virgin Islands EDA Board for Designated Hotel Occupancy Tax Incentives, and ERF, and is expected to come online by the end of 2022, adding 415 jobs to the local market. Jamaica Information Service reports that Jamaica's Prime Minister Andrew Holness says Jamaica's environmental laws will be amended to impose more stringent fines on persons found guilty of breaches. The objective is to deter illegal activity that poses a threat to the country's natural resources. Speaking with journalists during a tour of the sand dunes at Gray Bay in Treasure Beach, St. Elizabeth on Friday, July 29th, Mr. Holness said that some of the country's natural assets are under serious threat as they are being exploited for economic gain. He noted that earlier this year, the National Environment and Planning Agency, NEPA, served an enforcement notice and cessation order to an individual who carried out illegal sand mining at the Great Bay sand dunes. The person was subsequently arrested and charged and fined $15,000 after pleading guilty to the offense. Prime Minister said the fine was insignificant and the government intends to work diligently to strengthen the law to deter further illegal sand mining. Meanwhile, Mr. Holness announced that a policy has been developed to reclaim environmental assets that are located on privately owned properties to ensure greater protection of ecological sensitive natural assets. He said that the next step is to establish legislation for the acquisition of these natural assets for preservation for future generations. Now Grenada reports that Arlie Gill, chairman of Grenada's National Reparation Commission, said that it is a moral imperative that European institutions that are still benefiting from the legacy of slavery apologize and atone for those unconscionable harms. I believe we must demand that the descendants of those who profited from slavery must acknowledge the harms inflicted upon enslaved Africans and their descendants, he said in a statement issued by the commission in commemoration of August 1st, Emancipation Day. This year marks 184 years after slavery was abolished by Britain in all its colonies. Gill said that descendants of enslaved Africans are still recovering for more than 400 years of unimaginable brutality, unthinkable cruelty, and gross injustice meted out against our ancestors. An apology forces these institutions that benefited from the transatlantic slave trade to finally correct a wrong that has lingered in our history and our collective memory for too long. According to the statement, the refusal to apologize for slavery is a stain of injustice that continues to taint our humanity. 
highlighting the recent apology of Pope Francis. The statement said that, as head of the Catholic Church, he modeled this practice of apologizing for past wrongs to his European brothers and sisters when he apologized to the indigenous people of Canada for the Catholic Church's role in brutalizing of hundreds of indigenous children. Let us make it our mission, our life's work, to see the day when European leaders, the descendants of enslavers and slavery profiteers, can come to this soil and look us in the eye and say, we're sorry. Slavery was a crime against humanity, and we are committed to repairing the harms done to your African ancestors, the statement said. And finally, Daily Kos reports that an asteroid of up to 16.4 feet in diameter exploded over the island of Puerto Rico. It was confirmed that the small meteor was visible across the entire island. The Caribbean Astronomical Society reports a space rock disintegrated over the skies of Puerto Rico last Wednesday night. It happened at 11.28 p.m. and reports confirm that it was visible from all over the island. The detection of the meteor by GOES-16 satellites suggests that the explosion of the meteor upon impacting the atmosphere occurred about 20 to 25 miles north of the town of Cribadillas on the waters of the Atlantic Ocean, said Eddie Izari, scientific disseminator of the Caribbean Astronomical Society. According to the report, the asteroid in the movie Don't Look Up was nowhere close to the small size of the asteroid over Puerto Rico. The Puerto Rico meteor would have caused local damage if it struck the island and likely many casualties as a result, but would not have been a planet-killing strike. Have news and information you'd like to share with us? Email news releases to news at pulseofthecaribbean.com. And to share information on upcoming events, email events at pulseofthecaribbean.com. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Tuesday, August 2nd. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com. If you found value in this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you in advance for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news.